Hey everybody, happy weekend. Uh, so just like the first weekend, yeah, it was the first weekend in May, uh, getting ready for that whole uh, sell and may go away marketism. Um, this is going to be, I'm gonna crank through the global macro world. I like to go through everything on a Friday or on the uh, weekend, get that out to everybody before uh, the trading day begins on Sunday. And so we know what we got going on. Um, Christy, MacroOps, uh, systems trader, and um, I've been in this game for about 20 years trading, uh, building systems, trading systems, doing the coding, doing all the back testing and spreadsheets and all that work. Uh, and kind of to the point now where I'm a consistently profitable trader, uh, manage a fund and prop trade. So I'm kind of across the, the board there as far as um, uh, what I've done in the markets. I'm, I've been a, uh, on the private side, I started out getting in the, uh, in, the, in the corporate side, but quickly moved to the private side and I've just been trading from my own account for at least 20 years, um, full-time often during that period of time. You know, uh, eventually I worked up to where I am now. Um, also, uh, I, um, I run some courses through MacroOps where we teach people how to build systems and trade systems. So reach out to me, Christy Macro on Twitter, Chris at macro-ops.com. And let's get to this, shall we? Um, let's see. So big thing happened last week. I'm sorry, two weeks ago. Uh, we had the dollar breakout. If you can see my screen, I just want to kind of go over what we got. I'm running a DeMarc uh, sequential. I have a stack of three moving averages that are only there to tell me direction, not really any fancy turnover or anything like that. And then I got a couple of Bollinger Bands, a, a one standard deviation period Bollinger Band and a two. And typically when we get into the two standard deviations, we have a pullback. Uh, you can see that the single standard deviation Bollinger, the, the more blue colored one, looks a lot like what's happening with the moving averages. They stay within there too, for the most part. So that's generally how I, uh, I you know, not too fancy. I, I use a lot of price action to help guide my, uh, guide my direction and, and context of understanding where we are in the market. So I'll start out with the dollar because we had a big move. Um, the week prior, not last week, but the week prior where we broke out of a nice trend uh, or, or we continued this nice uptrend. And characteristic of a trending market is we have higher highs, as you can see, higher lows, higher high, higher low, higher lie. We actually had a lower low, but that looks like an outlier uh, and a lower high, and then came back with a higher high up here. And so far we have a higher low. Um, it looked like on Wednesday, we had this hammer type pattern in this uptrend, which is one of my favorites. You can see this one is far more spectacular uh, in an uptrend. And we were off to the races. And Friday, it was pretty it, it was pretty obvious that we were going to take off and potentially hit new highs. And then everything changed and it just slammed back down. So we're still we still haven't resolved this bottom here. Ideally, I, I do want to see that um, that we stay above this area here because if we stay above it that'll be a higher high uh, so I'm, I'm looking for something something like something like that um, where it goes down so let me uh, go into the market regime and we're in a bull quiet regime with volatility measured by ATR starting to uh, creep up so Things are looking good for the dollar so far. Let's continue down into the Euro. Uh, the obviously inverse version of the Euro, we have that nice downward trend. We did break down again, uh, not last week, the week before, and then turned up, everything looked good. Then Friday kinda, kinda tinkered with our emotions a little bit. And uh, I'm not gonna hate it, I was actually um, long from down here, so that's a decent move. Um, we're in a, a bear quiet regime and very low volatility. So what we're expecting, we've had over a, quite a period of time, 
is that low volatility as measured by ATR. The last time we've been this low, just to give everybody a, a view, is was down in this general area here around Brexit in 2014. So um, something's brewing. I'll definitely say that. And we're gonna just keep uh, keep cranking through the charts. Looks a little bit fake going this morning, apparently. All right, off to the pound, and the pound put in an epic day on Friday. Uh, thank you very much, pound. I was right there with you. Um, we are in a, a bull volatile market. We moved into that on Friday, uh, it looks like, and some extreme low volatility again. So what I want to notice is we were up 1.1% on Friday from the bottom of that range. So the thing about this one is we are trending higher and turned down and now we're, we're starting to go back up. So there's some very interesting things going on with the pound that is not um, happening with the euro and the dollar. I got out of, I was long this one and uh, took my profits on Friday fully. Um, in essence, what do we got going on here? Mostly sideways looking stuff, but this is this the strength is really interesting. And so I'm gonna definitely keep my eye on there. Let's head to Japan. And full quiet, low volatility, sideways, 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 not much going on. Uh, they were off. So for this whole week until Friday, it looks like they, somebody came in and started buying up, putting in a little volatility, um, basically sideways for there. So nothing too exciting, full quiet. Down south of there, let's hit the Aussie. We, Aussie's been going down quite a bit. It's from the 80s, I guess. It's, uh, it's just been cranking down. We're on low volatility, as you can see, and we bounce around between bear quiet and bear volatile currently in a bear quiet um, down at the bottom of our Bollinger Band range. There we go. Down to the bottom of our Bollinger Band range again through that second standard deviation. And we would expect this is a failed breakout pattern here. This is actually quite lovely. Um, that would have been our entry on Friday. It didn't move. So we'll go ahead and drop it down in here. And you see we had a lower low and this little, um, th this big reversal. I like that a lot. That gives me a lot of, um, a lot of confidence in a, in a top of the trend move that, that we bottom here and we head back to the top of the range. Interesting with the dollar doing what it is, but that's, uh, that's the pieces of the puzzle. Across the street to New Zealand, it held up stronger, sold off harder but held up stronger in that weakness and still doing the same thing. High correlation to that. We are in a bear quiet and bear uh, volatile back and forth. Off to Canada. Same sort of thing. Did not get that low, low, but we, we very sideways market. I think Canada is really waiting to see what, uh, I mean, all currencies are waiting to see what the dollar is going to do. <laughs> Off to Switzerland. And a massive down move to below the standard deviation. Now we've expanded that standard deviation, so there's potential to continue heading south. Um, but typically, it, it looks like a, you know it's trying to make a move back up into the uh, into the mid range here. Um, I want to just take a step back, and you know we have a nice downward trend going: lower lows, lower highs, lower lows, lower highs. So. The idea that if we get a bounce, we might be looking to get short here. Okay, we're on to equities. Start with Big Daddy, S&P 500. We did not break 3,000 this week. Um, this magic, uh, mystical magic $3,000 number that means absolutely nothing other than you've hit 3,000. Um, I would expect a lot of, as you can see, we have bull volatile uh, regime, so things are getting a little bit more heated. We're starting to kick up in the volatility, which has been extremely low, uh, considering where we came from in December. And I mean, we're up about 25% on the year, right, year to date. So typically in an election year, we have a, um, I'm sorry, a pre-election year, there is a 
32% to 33% average move from the lows to the highs on a pre-election year. So there's, that sets up a lot of volatility uh, going into the election year. So can't explain why it happens. We probably all have our, uh, our theories, uh, conspiracy or otherwise, but that's very indicative of, um, of a pre-election year, uh, presidential, that is, U.S. presidential. And so anyway, uh, th this is just such a nice, beautiful uptrend. Every time we come down into these moving averages, I'm looking to get long, add to longs. This is just a textbook trending market. Okay. Now what we did get is new highs on the NASDAQ. Uh, well, we got a new high this week, 78.52, 78.72. So we did not get a new high this week, um, which uh, one thing I want to point out is we've had failed, uh, failed reversal, failed reversal, failed reversal, so far another failed reversal. When you have a thoroughly back-tested um, system and you know your win rates, you know your uh, expectancies, you know the standard deviation of your expectancies, so you know your numbers on these systems, and you know how they perform. So when you take a trade that fails and then fails and fails and fails, something bigger is happening. And you know, that's why we use risk management, position sizing, protect R, all those things to take care of it. Yeah, we can take these four losses and you're still doing just fine because you know, we're covering all these other markets. But what that's telling me is something, something more interesting is happening. Something that I don't have in my, um, I, for some reason I just don't, I don't have what's going on. So um, luckily I have a fail, <laughs> the failure of this one, I have a long, so that, that fixes me there. Um, another failure, long. So I have a strategy to, if, if we're not counter trending, I can flip to the to the trend side and, and be comfortable with that. So, uh, but what that tells me is if my main uh, mean reversion strategy is failing, we are definitely in a trending market. Dow, let's have a look. Have not gotten to the new highs just yet. Um, well, did. No, it still hasn't. Still haven't gotten the new highs on the Dow. We are at right at those all time highs. We're in just like everything else, we are in a bull volatile from bull quiet to bull volatile. And we have had our failed um, mean reverting trades fail, 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 fail. So, as you'd expect, equities are following suit. Let's take a look at the Russell. Now, what's interesting about the Russell, except that we broke out on Friday. That was amazing. Thank you. Had a blast being long that guy. Um, as you can see, we have a long ways to go, about 1750, and we're currently at 1621. Um, is that right? High, close, 1618. So uh, we picked up a little room this week. Uh, and we, again, so we've, uh, even though the, sh the counter trends worked on these, it worked quite well, um, at least one time <laughs> in that uptrend, we didn't have as many failed trades. So there's a lot more weakness in the Russell than there was in the other indexes, which is interesting. Um, there's a lot of room to make up to get to all time highs, like with, um, like what we have with the NASDAQ and potentially the Dow and the S&P coming up. Uh, so a strategy might to be uh, short NQ long RTY to catch that spread. Now, if Russell fails and the NASDAQ runs, it's a horrible trade. <laughs> um, okay, let's take a look at bonds. This is the 30 year. And I don't have much to say. We're in a nice sideways trend. Uh, we're, we're in a bull, uh, I'm sorry, a bull quiet regime. Doesn't seem to be a whole lot going on. Um, I got nothing, nothing interesting to say about the bonds. I want to see, you know, something resolve. We, we have a nice uptrend. So I, I still think interest rates are going to be coming down. Um, I actually miscalled that. I, I thought we were going to get a, a rate cut this uh, last week, and we didn't. Um, had no bet on to do it. It was just my thoughts on it. I think uh, if, if we don't get 
uh, it, it's probably going to start looking into the fall, North America fall, where we're going to start getting some rate cuts, and, and I think um, I think some interesting things might happen. I don't want to get too much into the inflation and prices of oil and all such things, but uh, right around that time is when I think we're going to start getting some, some rate cuts. Okay, off to the 10-year, moving down the ladder. Okay, 10-year, uh, same uptrend. Though this week, since we had that Fed announcement, you can see it, it kind of had a reversal as everybody was you know, contemplating the rate hike and didn't happen, so we're probably gonna get some pullback. I do like to see this candle pattern uh, and this, this type of candle will usually signal a reversal. And now we have another of a similar inverse type candle, which would signal an uptrend, but that means we're just in a slight sideways trend. Two years. So we did get a reversal, according to my system, we got a reversal on bonds and or on the two year. Um, and that would indicate we would be looking for a sustained move down on the two year, which is interesting. Off to the UK. Similar setup. We had a short setup over here that played out. We have another short setup that's uh, that is starting to play out, um, meaning potentially higher interest rates in the UK. Who knows? Uh, but all that happened with that big move on the uh, the pound cable on Friday. There might be something interesting to be said for that. And then Spain broke down on broke below support on uh, Thursday and then on Friday we had a, another breakdown that got caught so um, as you can see that that's a pretty significant low there uh, it's right around the 1% range and what I want to point out is we have that massive sell-off just just continues to drop 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 and we have extreme low volatility in a bear quiet regime or bear volatile regime. This is indicative of a bottom. This candle pattern right here, this these like hammer looking candles tend to be bottoming, especially with all these other things lined up. But I'm not a bottom picker unless I have a setup and I don't have a setup. But these long tails at the bottom, meaning the price opens here, I'm sorry, opens up here travels all the way down to the bottom, has a huge down to, even though it's down 1.75%, it was probably down about 4% during the extent of the day. And then travels all the way back up, bulls grab control again, or you know, in this, in this case, bears selling the bonds. Uh, but the metaphor is that bulls come in and run this higher again. So interesting in Spain, let's keep an eye there. We, we know that there's a lot of risk uh, right now and that's that's one of the bigger ones in Europe that, that we're worried about. And so we're starting to get we, we're getting lower lows or higher lows and higher highs slowly starting to trend higher on the German um, the 10 year boom um, well the 10 year and it, it's just a simple trend. It's starting to look like it's going up but we're, we're at the bottom of a nice, obviously big downtrend so keeping an eye there similar type setup bear volatile low low volatility regime moving to the top with the dollar doing what it's doing there's some interesting things happening potentially coming out of Europe off to China which did nothing uh, blasted out of its bottom range back at the beginning of, or the end of March so uh, Q2 this thing comes in and, and takes off. What we're focusing on in China is really what I'm interested in is the consumer, how they're spending. I don't think infrastructure is as important. Uh, infrastructure spending is as important, though we know it's going to kick up going into um, the anniversary of the, the centennial of the Communist Party uh, in the next um, in the next little while, years or so. Um, but what's more important on that is it, it, it's an economic shift that the world is very much focused on China being that constant bid on the market. And it's they're maturing 
into they're trying to clean their air, right? That's a big push in China to get the air quality up. Um, and they're still trying to bring people out of poverty. So what they what they did to get people into these cities and new homes and new homes and new homes, there's all this excess inventory. A lot of what they're doing is getting people into the excess inventory and get, moving them from poverty, of course. That's always been the case. Um, but then that second cohort that's already been in there, they're really focused on getting the consumer to spend. So that's what I'm keeping an eye on in China. Not too much, um, not too exciting at the moment. Hang Sang, let's go into the indexes across the world. Um, there is not much going on here. Hang Sang seems to be a similar case, bounced off that bottom and sideways, so similar to the 10-year. DAX is just like U.S. indexes. Well, I would probably say closer to the Russell than you, the major indexes because there's a lot of making up to do, but it has put in a big move off the lows. We got historically low interest rates there, and we have a semi corresponding market. So we still have strength in Germany. As you can see, we have a nice uptrend. These pullbacks can be bought until they can't. Right now we're in a bull quiet, so it would make sense that we would continue the trend on low volatility. Footsie, same same thing, uh, coming, off the, coming off the December lows and not too far away from the all-time highs on the FTSE, though one thing I want to point out is we've moved much like, unlike Germany, which was in a bull quiet, and so this was lighter, this color here, uh, this is darker, so we're in a bull volatile. What that means is it we could be coming to an end of this move. We can maintain that for a long time, though, so don't get too, don't want to get too far out. France has done a tremendous job, despite everything that's going on in France, um, with the yellow jackets, populism, and, and a lot of uh, discouraging things, but we have a very pro-business leader in the country. So it would make sense why uh, their equity market, their main equity index is doing so well. Again, we're in a bold volatile regime. We're at the top of this, but you'll notice that the moves are not as deep. When they do drop, they're still staying pretty high. So we're, we're still bullish on France. The yen or I'm sorry, the Nikkei. I, you know, it's it's a nice move up, but it's definitely understated. Uh, bull quiet, we have room to run for sure. We have, you know, this 20, 26,000 area, 25,000 area. We're at 22, so there is a good 3,000 to get to. Um, points to make up, if that's what's gonna happen. It's just a nice sideways trend. It's a little deeper here. Uh, back in March, things got a little hairy. And we're in bull quiet, so the idea is that it's just gonna keep this little trend. All right, gold, Nimnar Hills. Let's see what we got on gold. I've, I, last week I was pretty bearish on it. Uh, you know, we're still in that downward trend. It still looks to be in place. I don't see much of a reason to be getting too bullish on this thing. If we just follow our trend, continues lower. We had a buy signal the week prior that played out slightly and then has come back, given it back. So we're, we're right here in that general area. Uh, you know, it's a it's a breather on a big up move. We did break below this previous low area and close below it and try to attempt to get out of it again. I will say it it is potentially a double bottom failed breakout. Which would have been a buy on Friday when this when it travels higher than Thursday's high. There's a potential there um, to go higher. However, the trend is still lower. So this is a high, um, a highly risky type of setup uh, given that we're counter trending. But um, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not jumping in. This is an old buy or sell recommendation. 
Uh, sugar, not sugar. Uh, did we go Italian? Oh, we moved Italian and, and, and gold. So Italy, I'm sorry, I, I had that lined up incorrectly on my thing. Um, this is Italy, and it's another one we're worried about. We're down pretty historically low on interest rates, um, though not as low as we have been. <laughs> Uh, still sideways. We haven't really confirmed anything. It's still bouncing off the bottom. We're still in this two and a half range. So just keeping an eye on that. We're in a bear volatile. Um, that you know, we could be having a bottom. This could have this strength could have been something. Uh, let's take a look at silver. Let me readjust this section here. Okay, silver. Um, well, silver continues lower lower highs, lower lows, downward trend, though we're kicking up in volatility and we got weird, no understanding which regime we're in. We're in a, a sideways volatile regime, really. So um, I wouldn't be looking to take too many, um, too bullish of a position on a, on a swing basis. Platinum continues its uptrend, moved to the bottom of the range. Uh, I more than likely have bullish conviction as we continue this just nice drift higher. Uh, though as we bust through the and, and get down towards the 834 level, the bottom of the band at a bull volatile regime, things start to get a little wacky, a little slap happy in price. So, But generally speaking, it's a nice uptrend. Oil crude put in some topping uh, efforts this past week getting down to uh, low 60s after getting into basically I had a short here that failed and then that failed so if we had setup setup short setup short setup short setup all failing and suddenly we have this turnover up here this is a really strong trend this is just a beautiful strong trend up from like 40 to 66 which is about you know, a lot of people in the fib or in the oil world tend to focus on Fibonacci, so it would make sense that the, the traders would come in and start to turn this around at from that eighty high to forty low. We're in that sixty one point eight seventy eight point six area on fibs. I'm not a fib trader. Um, I have, but I'm not a fib person. So some people tend to um, look for pullbacks here. So this could be the you know from the move from our move all the way up here down to here we're about in the middle area here and this is when bulls would try to I'm sorry bears would try to take another stab at getting up getting this thing lower and with no drop in interest rates maybe the inflation story is different than what people thought for the last few months Brent little bit more extreme and more effective on the downside this one's actually playing out so some interesting divergences there a little little weaker than crude all right um, now I want to get into emerging markets and what I want to focus on is Argentina to the USD um, this has been on my uh, this has been on my radar a lot going on in Argentina um, Christina Kushner is making a comeback. She's a populist former president uh, and, and a, um, a bit of a firebrand, let's say. And McCree is kind of the hard, you know, take the hard medicine, let's do the hard work in Argentina to, you know, get out of our situations. Like this thing, when I lived in South America, we were, I remember seeing this thing at $3 or three pesos to the dollar back then and then it moved I mean so you know back in 2015 we were as high as nine to the peso or nine pesos to the dollar further back you know in like 20 let's call it 2012 we were at about four so more than a double in two years from four to almost eight to 12 or let's call it 15 in another two years and then it just kicks off so at 2018 we get up to the 40s and now we're we're 
So it was in August, summer of 2018 is when we really shot up. We broke from 30 to 40, made a made that big move, um, like a 30% devaluation in about a day, about a, well, maybe a week. And we continue to trend higher. So what's going on in Argentina, um, Argentina's done this every 10 years. They kind of have a revaluation of their uh, of their currency, and it's it's really tough. I spent a few months in Argentina this uh, this past fall, uh, well, <laughs> spring, South America, and uh, yeah, it's tough. You can see you can definitely see the difference between like Colombia, like Chile, different other spots in South America. Colombia's having some problems, but nowhere near as bad as Argentina is. So. I'm keeping my eye on that, and that, that's my first foray into the emerging market currencies and, and how bad they're, they're, uh, what they're facing. The other thing is, you know, their next-door neighbor, Brazil, or, well, they do share the border with Brazil and Uruguay, but a little further up north. Um, Brazil seems to be doing okay with it. Uh, Brazil's big issue is they've always been... Brazil, right? Not, well, the BRICS back in the early 2000s, the uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China were going to like be the big um, movers in the world. Uh, India and China really did some big things. Russia got itself out of what was a bad situation. Brazil, pr- you know, definitely came up on its own, and but it has done that over the decades, and it has had um, great successes and great issues. And right now, we're up at some pretty historical highs for the real. Uh, we're, we're getting fairly close. And what's going on, you know, they're sandwiched by Ar- uh, Argentina and Venezuela. So what's going on in Venezuela? Who knows if there's a military situation, a U.S. interdiction, Russian interdiction. Who knows what's actually going to happen in Venezuela? But it's the continent. The continent's going to, no matter what, the continent feels the, um, the bleed of uh, well, the mass exodus from Venezuela. There's a lot of people that were, you know, let's say you had a million dollars in the bank. It's now worth $1,000 if that, uh, just based on, you know, hyperinflation. Uh, so a lot of people were not able to get their money out. Uh, a lot of people didn't have, you know, they, they lost everything. Uh, back in Venezuela, you are... Um, if you're not occupying your house that you own, people can go in and, and just take, they can just assume your house, uh, and it's legal to do that. So, uh, there's a lot of people that are, um, have lost everything and are now all across the Americas and, and different parts of the world, very much in the bordering countries. So, uh, that's a bit of a burden for Brazil and Colombia and Chile and Argentina and everybody else to bear and as the dollar gets stronger, these countries really take the beating. So I'm keeping my eye on that. Currently, we're in a nice uptrend. Uh, the peso, well, so you look at this crazy bottom back in uh, at the beginning of April. Got down to 3,000, and we shot back up to the 3,300 area. Um, that was pretty, uh, you know, that's still a pretty high price. This, if you were looking at 2,700 to the peso and now you're looking at uh, 33, I'm sorry, 2,700 pesos to the dollar, you're looking at now at like 3,300 to the dollar. It does have an effect. I lived in Colombia for a while and I do, I do know the uh, effects that that has on the economy there. Uh, It's tough. It's tough. So keeping an eye on Colombia. Off to Turkey, which has been ever since the beginning of April has just rocketed straight up. We had a little intervention here, uh, but it just continues to start hitting. It's a big basing pattern, uh, very similar to what we saw in the Euro franc, somewhat where a repricing happened. And who knows if some sort of deal happens with Turkey. They are an outlier uh, always, and if something happens with Turkey, we could, we could see something interesting. We're off to South Africa now, which has been a, a crowd favorite in the macro world for a while. Um, you know, if yeah, if you caught that back in February, um, January, Feb, you're, you're looking okay, 14 low, 14 high. But it's just been trending higher for 
for a while. We're, we're really, we're keeping an eye, our eye on um, South Africa, but I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, conviction here. What, what's interesting, the, the picture that I'm starting to paint for myself here, and that's the whole purpose of this, is to come in without an opinion and let the opinion start to form as I'm cranking through these charts. All right, I figured I'd throw Tesla up here because Tesla's a good lesson in understanding price action and avoiding the narrative. So the narrative is you have Tesla, Tesla Q. I did a couple podcasts with um, Buren Shaw, who's, who's very bearish on uh, Tesla and has laid out a pretty interesting case against them. Obviously things changed this week. Um, Tesla came out with some news. Uh, they got some new funding. All sorts of interesting things going on in the world of Tesla. I personally think that, you know, it takes somebody like uh, Elon to come out and, and make big changes, whether it happens or not. I mean, ideally, I don't want it to go bankrupt because what um, that becomes the story instead of we are actually, you know, with with the SpaceX, what's happening there is amazing. You know, it changed that that's changed space, uh, space travel and navigation of space. Uh, and reusable rockets. Like, think about how much money is can be saved by reusing these uh, rockets. Um, the 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 push to get into electric vehicles has been very strong. That was led by Tesla, obviously. Um, you know, the Prius and those other vehicles had help. But it's not that today, in my mind, it's not that today what it is. We got to look out 10, 20, 30 years. Of what could happen and and the narrative of today versus a narrative in 20 or 30 years can be completely different and if we're focusing on elon's a criminal elon uh, you know whatever that you know you're missing the bigger thing here i'm not i'm not a bull or a bear on tesla i am bullish on innovation and not sticking to the status quo i am a i'm a trader i'm a swing trader so i'm i'm focused on the next week or two I'm not focused, and I'm also uh, uh, an angel investor. Uh, I, I'm involved with some venture funds. So I'm thinking, you know, 10, 20 years down the road as well. Like, what does the world look like in 25 years? That's something I'm always thinking about. Um, and somebody like Elon inspires somebody else to come and take big risks, inspires somebody else to take big risks, inspires somebody else to take, and it just continues to go. If somebody like, you know, if, if something like this doesn't play out well, um, you know, a lot of innovation can be can be knocked down. Now, that being said, um, there was a buy signal, according to my system, on the first. So Thursday, that would be Wednesday. Uh, we have a number of setups here. We have this failed breakout. Let me just um, see if I can draw it. Okay, so uh, the TD sequential countdown gets to an eight reversal, which I love. These are beautiful. You can use nice tight ranges on them, uh, which makes your position sizing so much nicer. And when this eight fires, I have a signal I want to buy above the high of this candle. Also, that is the day we fail to set a new low, failed breakout pattern. Got two things going in my favor. Also, so stacking edges. Um, also, we're outside the second Bollinger Band and we have traveled for a bit. So I start to see this nice uh, reversal. Now, if you get involved in my how I do my trading and how position sizing, you understand all of that. This is a 1R winner already, almost a 2R winner. And what does that mean? So the distance from my entry to my stop is R, risk. And I, wanted, I want multiple R risk reward ratio. So I want, I already have two to one on this. This is my stop down here. This is my, actually it would be the low of the eight right now. Just to be clear. Okay. Um, and so I'm looking at, come on back. There we go. Um, 
So we've got one R on it. We've got two R on it. We moved our, we've taken half profits and we're locking in, moving our stop to break even. So no matter what, I'm going to lock in some, some good profit on this one. Had I trade it, I don't, I don't trade Tesla. Um, I don't, I don't trade uh, equities usually, um, which is what that means. <laughs> Not that I'm against Tesla or anything. But uh, so, so what's, you know, what's interesting about this is this is just a continuous pattern with Tesla. You know, goes down, something comes up, rallies. Down, something comes up, rallies. Down, something comes up, rallies. Yeah, we're getting lower lows, lower highs, but that's a totally tradable range. And that's how exactly how I'd trade it. And um, this is a mechanical system. This wouldn't be any discretionary on my end. I would take the eight and be long if Tesla was in my universe. So I wanted to cover that one because it's kind of a trading story. And a lot of people get caught up in the Tesla narrative and then some news comes out and they freak out because like, how is the price going higher? Or it goes to, more importantly, it goes to the bottom of the range, puts in a candle that looks like, hey, a hammer that has a bottoming formation price action. And they wonder why the why it's rallying. It's because other traders who don't, you know, you have people who care about news, they're piling in. You have, um, you have people like me who don't care about news, but they understand price action. They see the price action and they're like, okay, we're off to the races. Let's get in here. This is a low, uh, a low risk, high reward trade. Uh, this could end up being a multiple R, one, two, three, four, five, you know, get up. If you get up to near the 295, 300 area where we're at the top of the range, then that's just, that, that's normal to go from 230 to 300 for Tesla. That's normal in a swing trading environment. I'm not going to put my target there and just say, hey, I'm out of there. I'm not trading this again. But had I been trading it, I would not be just saying, oh, hey, I'm just going to get out up there. I I follow it and I have discipline with it. And that's some of the things I cover in my courses. All right, let's go around the world and look at a quick look at the uh, MSCI ETFs on all the different um, things. Now, what I want to do is in 2018, we had a very uh, kind of a global recession outside the United States. Uh, and I want to take a look at how everything. So basically from I'm going to take a look on weeklies, actually, um, so that we can have a look at 2018 and 2019 and where we are. Uh, Brazil, everything sold off and then it, it double bottomed in uh, the summer and it took off to the upside and, done, and did quite well for itself versus the other emerging markets. So let's downward training market in Mexico continues up near the top of the range. We would expect some weakness to potentially show up. This is happening with the dollar getting strong. Uh, okay, China, That see this looks almost exactly like what it, um, what happened in the uh, same sort of thing, just late. So this, Failed double or failed breakout on the bottom, and you know you buy you you have this beautiful hammer reversal. Fails get out there. You put your buy in this area, fifty three. You're up to sixty four. You're doing pretty good already. Uh, and now the trend's starting to roll into your favor. So, so uh, that says let's let's go back. Um, to me, that's that's putting a little bit more bullishness on China, in China's. Uh, Arsenal. I would be a little bit more bullish right now on China. All right, India. Uh, India. India. Just like it looks like they bottomed in October, just as the U.S. equities were really getting hammered. It seems like a lot of money moved to offshore. Then we have the world ETF up near all-time highs. We're right up there worldwide, <laughs> calling it a broad bull run. Germany seems to be out of the woods. Uh, we did bottom down here. No real clear pattern to get us into it, uh, other than we had it here to buy in December. Um, it still hasn't equaled one-to-one -one risk reward, and we're coming to the top of that range. So keep my eye on Germany. Uh, you know, Europe is definitely in the crosshairs. Uh, core emerging markets looks very similar to Germany, actually. This, we had that double, actually also China. Uh, with this failed breakout bottom, 
that's a nice move, 47 to 54, seven points on it. Um, let's have a look if we got any like, I mean, that was a hindsight one, right? Okay, emerging markets. It's just rolling over to the upside, just like China, obviously. Um, I won't, I'm gonna keep my keep my eye on that. We could have uh, a divergent in emerging markets and and global markets, I should say. Thailand, slowly but surely, more sideways than anything. Big move off the bottom in Canada. Uh, Canada traded right along with the U.S. equity market. Um, more like the Russell 2000, where we still have a lot of room to make up. Um, Probably about another 10% move, uh, eight to 10% move to get to the all-time highs in Canada. So keep our eye on that. Italy, just like Germany, not much. It, it's rolling in, it, it also a lot like China. Um, we're potentially rolling up into a uptrend, as you can see by our stacked moving averages heading in the uptrend. But we're at the top of the range, so we'd be looking to get a little uh, lighter. Australia. Australia, after that big move, Australia is going to be affected, obviously, by the dollar um, and China's bottoming. So it, it's got a similar sort of thing going with China. Hong Kong. Wow. Okay. So they really, they are at Hong Kong, really putting in that out. Okay, so let, let's just get context. This is just a bull trend. <laughs> it's February 8th. Yeah, I get it. Or this is, you know, 2008, global financial crisis. And we continue the uptrend. Higher highs, higher lows. Hong Kong breaks out, pulls back, takes another rip at new highs. This could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Also with the Hong Kong dollar, um, which I don't have up here. Let's get, let's throw that on our screen just to see where we are with the Hong Kong. Okay, yeah, so they've had a ceiling up here. Hong Kong dollar um, has been really uh, about a week or two, a couple weeks ago, we had some major drama, um, much like we had in October. So there, there's a theory, again, Biren Shaw uh, talked about in the Euro dollar, um, and, and kind of what happened in the Q4 of 2018, where there was like a, let's say a margin call is his statement. And, it, and you know, it definitely happened in the Aussie, or in the Hong Kong dollar. Uh, as you can see, a lot, of, a lot of drama happened there. All right, let's get back to um, not the US dollar currency. Okay, so very impressive looking one. Let's go into Indonesia, off the bottom, sideways. Not, not much interesting going on there. Uh, strong off the bottom on the Eurozone, but uh, with Germany, that's what it kind of looks like. So we're still keeping an eye on German, on Europe. Spain, a little weaker. Uh, Chile, not doing too well. Uh, you know, that's the South American continent. And there is a lot of stuff going on. Chile has just been in a major downtrend um, since 2011, I guess 2010. Still pretty, uh, in my mind, still pretty bearish looking setups. But, you know, that, that was a good uptrend we spent from 2016. As, as the emerging market sell-off happened in 2018, the uh, bit of a depression. Uh, we're bouncing around. There's a lot of action down here in the bottom and something's interesting going on in Chile. I don't know much. I spent about a month there in the earlier this year. I, I really love the country. I just don't know about, uh, I think, you know, I think there's something going on with Argentina next door. Um, off to Japan, I, you know, same as the, as the major uh, international markets. Have a look. Argentina is not as bad as it price looks so still a high-risk market over there which means opportunity for those who know how to play them and France looks just like actually looks great uh, compared to the rest of Europe 
recovered most of the move, much like we saw in the CAC 40. Um, really strong. So another one that I like is, now, now this is a bit more of um, kind of like shaping the future, thinking about, okay, what's going on? So first of all, let me go through and, and summarize what I get here. The dollar is bullish and continues to threaten a move higher. The rest of the world, emerging markets, are sucking wind versus the dollar. So as the dollar moves into the 98, 99, maybe even you know 100 range on the DXY, that could be that could be catastrophic for a lot of other countries, as we see with um, you know Argentina and Turkey and on those emerging markets. Now on the main markets, I think a lot of people are looking in the rearview mirror on China and thinking that they're going to continue the infrastructure spend and, and like really put a lot into it. I don't think that's going to like die too much, but I don't think that's going to be the big move that's going to help uh, help the world you know, that, that everybody's hoping China is going to do. It's more on the Chinese consumer that's I believe is, is focused there. So China stepped in and, and you know they'll defend their currency, they'll defend uh, everything. <laughs> Uh, but they also have, you know, 25 year, 50 year, 100 year plans. They, they're not looking at next four year election cycle. That being said, let's go back to U.S. equities. There's a big gap between the Russell uh, low cap and, and or small cap and NASDAQ, S&P and Dow. Um, what that what I'm thinking is that the economy is not nearly as strong as as we'd hope it is because the smaller companies are not doing what they what they need to be doing, and but the bigger companies are. So perhaps it is that wealth separation where the wealthier companies can raise money in the bond markets and do buybacks, whereas the small caps are not getting the sort of credit they want. That's a potential there. Um, still looking for interest rates to drop in the third and fourth quarter on the US. Um, you know, it's it, we're going into we're going into May, we're in May now. We're going in closing up to summertime. Um, so I don't I don't exactly know. We've got um, maybe we're taking a breather in the middle of uh, the first portion of the quarter. We had a nice uh, you know a nice up move across the board in in April for a lot of places. Uh, Q two. Has, has put in some good work. All, all of 2019 for U.S. equities has, has done well. Um, but going into, uh, you know, as we're starting into get into more high campaign time frame in the U.S. and a little bit more drama, uh, we might see a lot more volatility on the equities. But it does seem like the dollar is still in play to go higher. And so I'm looking to be surprised otherwise and so I'm going to be setting up my positions to be long dollar short uh, other currencies when those trades show up not and if they don't show up and I get a short dollar and a long I take those trades that's just what I do but this is my going through where are we at what do I have to keep my eye on this week and I don't see a whole lot um, I think there may be a sustained drop in uh, crude that's a potential haven't thrown money on that stuff. So um, also looking for the yen to come back to life. If the yen comes back to life, I think that that could start really throwing some, some more magic into the currency situation. Now, a new ETF that I started following is the um, Millennials Thematic ETF. Uh, so this, this basically tracks the trends of, a, of the millennial cohort uh, demographic as they go from as they move into uh, I, I think it's like what 25 to 40 year olds currently are considered Millennials or you know maybe it's maybe it's 20 to 34 35 year olds nonetheless the top end of that range are homeowner uh, people are looking to buy and generally speaking in the Millennial co uh, cohort uh, they're actually not looking to buy new they're buying uh, used homes and remodeling. So Home Depot, Lowe's companies uh, look good and Toll Brothers and the other type Pulte, the other names of um, big subdivisions that are just 
created from the ground up. Um, they're on the they're on the ropes. Multifamily housing uh, condos where you can purchase those are definitely on the agenda still with millennials in urban environments or creating mini cities. Those are definitely the case. Uh, big brands are not their specialty. Millennials tend to go direct to consumer. Um, social media is still a major, uh, especially Instagram, is still a major driver of sales. So um, what, what I love to see was how quickly we've gone to new highs. And uh, you know, being a boomer, being a Gen Xer or a Gen Zer, this is who you need to pay attention to. This is the largest cohort of people coming into um, prime earning years. So as the millennials are coming into prime earning, prime spending years, things are gonna be different. They were raised through the global financial crisis. They have a different perspective on debt. They have a different perspective on um, conspicuous uh, consumption. Uh, they have a lot of different things and, and much like as the baby boomers came in, they changed everything for the, for the status quo. Millennials are doing the same and this chart uh, absolutely shows me that it is a powerhouse um, and keep an eye on that. So um, I'll wrap all that up with a couple, little bit of analysis on crypto because we have um, done some interesting things the last few weeks and I've been getting tremendous amount of requests to talk about crypto. So, all right, let me clean my chart. First off, if I can, if there's a clear all, clears all blankers. Yes, yeah, much easier. Okay, so let's go to our weekly. We all recall the crypto madness that everybody was all smugly negative on from probably here uh, at six or 700 and definitely smugly negative on it, 1100 up to 1200, up to 3000 being smugly negative was the cool thing in, in macro and on Twitter. Um, but being long got you a pretty nice car. Um, trading this aggressively I did um, was a blast. There's a lot of money to be made in there. And then, you know, smugly negative at 20,000, suddenly you're proven right. So you're right after being smugly negative from like a thousand dollar price to 20,000. And you're still wrong though. You're like, oh, see, I was right. Bitcoin's worth nothing. And we're at 6,000 again. We got down to about the 3,000 level where it all kind of took off down in here. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's where it all broke out last year was that 3000 area. And, and we came back and tested it and we're bouncing off it. So there's something interesting to be said. This is the weekly, we have a, we're starting to get an uptrend. Um, we're starting to curve up there and we're actually failing on a short signal. So what do we know about bull markets is our mean reversion short signals do not work all that well and they tend to fail like they have done twice in a row here. As you see, let me bring you to purgatory. Um, this, is, this is basically crypto from December lows in equity markets. Um, <laughs> nothing happening, just completely boring. And, you know, we, we get a spike out of, off of the 3,400. We, we spike up. Okay, interesting. Another spike up. Okay, interesting. But I'm still not interested yet. Still not much to tell me like, hey, pay attention. We got stuff going on. Now, for the smarter traders, maybe they see this uptrend and they're like, you know, I'm just going to ride this trend. I, you know, we haven't had an uptrend for a while. I want to be in the trend. So maybe you're in there. And it, it works. You know, it's working out nicely. And, you know, we, we pop the top of the range, come down, pull back a little bit. To the moving averages and back up again. That's an uptrend, okay? Higher lows, higher highs, very indicative. Now, even though, as you see with his big up moves here, higher lows, higher highs, and then sideways, that's sideways mean reversion. Not a lot going on. But when we break out of the 4,200 level a few weeks ago, back in April, at the beginning of April, Q2 begins, I don't know why, and it rips. And we get our first sell signal, 
So yeah, let's we take our short and we get stopped out. First clue, first clue. And we're now we're staying above this the top line, just like you see the S&P, just like you see NASDAQ, it's all riding the top few lines of the moving averages that are all pointing nicely higher. Okay, another sell setup. We get in, actually do not hit a profit target. And it fails. And yesterday we failed that. And we now are, that's another clue, right? What do we have when we have failed uh, mean reverting trades in an uptrend? We're in a trend and it's a buy the trend sort of situation. And you can just move your way on out of those counter trend trades and just as it comes back, have a reason. So this hammer would be a reason for me to get long. Any of these hammers would be that come back to a moving average. This one especially uh, gets me in the game and you know you can buy it you can buy it you can maybe the doji or you can look for this one you can buy it and you've been adding all along to some really nice gains crypto for now that's decisive you know when i went through all that stuff all these other charts and everything like that nothing was as decisive as crypto uh, or as bitcoin right now so um I, you know, kind of questioning the dollar and all those things. But what I'm not questioning is the bull move that is underway on Bitcoin and the, the broader uh, crypto complex is where there are a, there's a lot of alpha to be generated from that if you know how to trade. And, and when I say you know how to trade, you apply trading techniques to the crypto markets, not Oh, I just need to hodl and be long and all that's that's you know whatever that's some that that could be your thing that could be somebody else's but that's not my thing I'm in this thing and I trade this thing so I got to finish up we're about to have an air show outside so <laughs> um, Litecoin Litecoin was in a massive uptrend starting in February uh, and as you can see maybe that's where maybe Litecoin's leading the show for Bitcoin because that looks a lot like what uh, Bitcoin looked like and kind of looks like right now where we could, you know, we, we didn't even have a failure. Failed setup here, it took a while and it when it broke that failed setup, it ripped. We go from 50s, we go from actually 33 to 100 in a couple of months on Litecoin, amazing move. Uh, and now we're starting to, we you know, as you can see, the volatility got extreme. So we know that this is toppy behavior this here is toppy behavior. So if you're in, you're looking to get out. And now it comes back, moves to the bottom of the range, goes sideways. I have a reversal candle set up right here that is long and up 1R already and looking to go. So Litecoin also, Litecoin also is in the, in the bull trend. So that's two. Let's look at Ethereum, one of the big names of our last big bull run. Um, Another, I mean, this is a lot different. This is a lot more volatile too. Look at that. I don't, I mean, it's it has been trending up. I don't see the bullishness on Ethereum like I see clearly as I see on Bitcoin. We are higher lows, higher highs, higher lows, higher highs. Yep, it's it's in an uptrend. Uh, that's, that's also the case. It's not as decisive as Bitcoin though, so. And EOS, one of the most hated. Um, <laughs> they're all the most hated depending on who I'm talking to uh, this is an obvious uptrend so from not that you would have bought it at 164 but that's up to gets up to six uh, so what 300% move in a couple of months pretty good money to be made in this and it's a nice uptrend it's just an, we have that similar pattern over here like we had in Litecoin where it's kind of going sideways and deciding but it looks like we have um, a nice uptrend to just keep following. Okay, so uh, I'm only gonna cover four cryptos. Uh, these are the, the top four, uh, you know, XRP, whatever. Um, you know, Bitcoin Cash, like I could throw all those on there too, but I, um, I just wanna knock these out. I've already been an hour. Um, so if you like this format, uh, let me know. We can, uh, we're gonna include a chart book, uh, which I'll put the link in the show notes. Click on that and you can get all these charts organized in a PDF uh, on our website. 
Uh, and we're gonna start doing, we're actually gonna do these um, a little bit more and we're gonna turn this video into uh, a members only thing eventually. So uh, reach out to me, talk to me, feel free to hit me up, Christy, uh, at Christy Macro on Twitter and Instagram and Chris at macro-ops.com. And yeah, you know, I'm systems trader guy. Uh, I like to do this stuff just to kind of see what it is, but I have a definite method and I'm gonna continue to repeat that method. So as we, as you get to know me and, and we spend time together, you can understand my methodology, turn that into your own methodology and help build your own system so you can see this stuff and start to paint the picture going into the upcoming week. So, um, that's, I think that's it for the day. Uh, let's go over to the economic calendar real quick. For the week. Maybe we should do this at the beginning of the week. <laughs> okay. May. Let's get her really tired. Let's see. Oops. I'm just having a tough time with this. So uh, on this Monday, nothing scheduled. Job openings, consumer credit on Tuesday, nothing. Wednesday, nothing. Weekly jobless claims on Thursday. Trade deficit, PPI for April. Wholesale inventories, CPI for April. Core CPI and the federal budget on Friday. Not super exciting. Uh, not super exciting week for economy, whereas last week was uh, fairly big with the FOMC and non-farm payrolls. Um, this one is uh, a much weaker week, uh, so we'll see. We may not have, much. that might be why we don't have a whole lot going on on our charts, but uh, I, I kind of like to do this at the end to see, like maybe it'll give me more context, but I don't like to do it in the beginning because it gives me like, this is what's happening. So I do it at the end, I can build my picture and then I throw like economic and, and you know newsworthy stuff up on my screen and I can, um, it, it helps me paint the picture I'm going to end it with a screen of Bitcoin instead. All right. Hey, um, again.